Hey everybody, welcome to Becoming Better, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better human being. I'm the host of the show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 54, Productivity Habits, part two. This is our first two-part episode. I'm surprised you didn't comment on the the weird introduction there with all the slurring and what have you. I mean, you do a weird introduction every week and I intentionally don't look at you while you do it Why? because it's your, your face is so animated and you, really? your inflection is so weird yeah. that if I look at you, I'll just laugh. So. I feel so much pressure to do like a big thing at the start. Well, but it I, just turns out weird. <laughs> I intentionally just ignored it and moved on. That This is, a, I, I think, a lesson that people learn in marriage like a lot later on. So I think we're like a, earlier on in this regard where people learn to ignore the weird qualities that their spouse has. You've learned that after, what? how long have we been married? Five, six years? Only, a, oh, actually, no, it's almost our second anniversary. Oh. Well, that's cool. Oh. Um, yeah. Feels I, like six I've years. I've had so much time to practice with you because there's so many oddities. Yeah. These uh, these eight years together have been some of the best 10 years of my life. So thank you for that. But we, speaking of tens, <laughs> we are talking through our 10 favorite productivity habits. They, they didn't all make it on the list. We had to cut some good ones, but we're down to number five. All right. So last episode, the five that we started with were keeping an accomplishments list, Mm -hmm. email and message sprints, knowing your biological prime time, distractions list, Mm -hmm. and shrinking aversive tasks. So we're going to kick this episode off with number five, the waiting for list. This is like number, uh, what was it? Number seven, the distractions list that we were talking about where the definition is in the name, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And this is something you talk about all the time, but it's basically just... Too much, would you say? Moving on. <laughs> it's basically a list of everything that you're waiting on. Very simple. Um, and this is something we did talk quite a lot about in episode 52, so I guess that's yeah. two episodes ago now. Um, but really, it just helps you kind of close that loop on remember on things that you don't want to have to remember. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's this idea that you don't want to have to remember to remember things. Uh, I find that extremely distracting Mm -hmm. and it just sucks up so much mental energy if you have to remember all of these things that are on your list. Um, And so I know for me, I I do have a waiting for list. I just have one. I think you have them categorized by project. Yeah. Um, But basically just having a place somewhere that you document everything that you might be waiting for Um, and, and making sure you check it regularly enough that you don't have to keep this as an open loop in your mind. Yeah, this list is so, so critical with, like you were saying, just carving out more attention for what's in the moment. I'm looking at my list here. I'm going from the podcast note to the uh, waiting for note here. Uh, I have it broken down by the different categories of my work. So uh, the the different elements of my work, like the blog, the podcast, the books, the speaking, business-related things, and then money and personal things, because I find those are the best categories for me. But This is so, so critical. But the thing that's just as critical as keeping the list is the habit of putting things on it in the first place. And this has become sort of a superpower because every single unresolved thing in our work, we talked about this with number 10 with the keeping and accomplishments list, the Zagartnik effect essentially states that we store unresolved tasks at the front of our mind. 
The waiting for list accommodates that by relieving that specific mental burden. Because when we're waiting on an email, when we're waiting on a package that we ordered online, like a lovely, delicious package of tea from Cha Cha Tea, which we mentioned on the previous episode of the podcast, uh, whatever you're waiting on is taking up a little bit of background processing in your mind. And so by putting on this list that you review regularly, which we may even get to with number three, uh, you clear up all that space uh, for being with whatever you're doing in the moment. Yeah, focus on the things you actually want to focus on. Speaking of focus. Speaking of. Number four is a more complex one than number five. So in my mind... I really want to know how you categorize this as a routine, right? I mean, again, Mm -hmm. we're talking about habits here, which is really something that's actionable. And number four on this list is scatter focus. So I'm curious, what is, how, how do you think of scatter focus when we talk about habits? Yeah. Scatter focus is, is kind of an umbrella for the result of different habits that lead your mind to wander. And so if you're not familiar with the term by now, scatter focus is what I like to call uh, deliberately letting our mind wander. Because saying deliberately letting your mind wander every time is a lot more complex than just saying scatter focus. And the fascinating thing about scatter focus is if you think back to when your best, most brilliant ideas have struck you, you probably weren't focused on anything. You know, so much of productivity strategies exist to clear out mental uh, space to bring us into the present moment, to make us present with whatever we're doing. But focusing on things all day long is actually one of the worst things that we can do for our productivity, for our attention, because we have a limited pool of mental energy from which to draw from whenever we're making decisions, whenever we're regulating our attention in some way, including trying to force ourselves to focus on something. But something marvelous happens when we let our mind wander. And that goes back to the idea of ideas. If you think to when your best ideas have struck you, you probably weren't focused on anything. Maybe you're taking a shower and then out of the mist, your mind had a chance to connect several of the constellations of ideas that were swirling around it. But what we find when our mind wanders is it doesn't just wander to come up with ideas. It wanders to plan for the future as well. Uh, We actually think about our goals 14 times as often uh, whenever our mind is wandering versus when we're focused on something. And researchers uh, such as Jonathan Smallwood, Jonathan Schooler, refer to this as our mind's prospective bias uh, because of the fact that when our mind is wandering, we think about the future 48% of the time. Uh, 28% of the time, we're thinking about the present, which we're poking and prodding at the problems we're facing in the moment. So maybe we're typing up an email, we can't figure out how to phrase it, we walk over to make a cup of Vada balanced tea in the kitchen, then on the way there, we think, holy, whatever. (laughs) That's the solution. We run back to the desk, we type out that email, and we hit send. And so for generating ideas, for generating plans, and for letting our mind recharge, because again, remember that we expend mental energy when we have to regulate our attention in one way or another. When we don't regulate our attention, when we do something that gets us into scatter focus, we replenish that reservoir of mental energy. So this will look different for everybody. For some people, this will look like a walk through nature. Uh, For some people, this might look like a nighttime bath. 
that's uh, I'm including me in that category. Uh, For some other people, it might be listening to an Olivia Rodrigo album, just laying down on the couch and thinking about life. You know, whatever it happens to be. Again, not speaking from experience there. Um, whatever it happens to be, anything that is simple and habitual and leads your mind to wander is a wonderful candidate for something to do to get into a state of scatter focus. Yeah, I know for me, this is definitely something, especially because I have such close proximity to you. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely something I've become a lot more aware of in the last few years. I know this is something you've really talked about quite a lot and you wrote a book about it. Yeah. So there's that too. Well, that's the thing. The the book Hyperfocus, the, the, half of it is devoted to this idea of scatter focus, geeking out over the science, the neuroscience around mind wandering, which was a fascinating thing to dig into. Yeah. And it's something I had never heard of until you introduced me to it. So it's definitely something I've been a little more conscious about bringing into my life. I know um, some, I've definitely, especially during quarantine and we've been locked down for what feels like forever now. Um, but thinking, Eight years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah eight, exactly almost eight. nine years apparently. Oh. Um, but no, the, the, definitely during quarantine, I've, I've been more conscious about taking walks and really not, mm. not listening to something. I think that's an important piece here. You can't just go outside and go for a walk if you're just going to put in like an audiobook or yeah. something. Really making sure you have space to think, like mental space is really important for scatter focus. Uh, something I try to do though is I think maybe leverage this a little bit more so it's not quite as nebulous or vague and really think about have like kind of an open loop in the back of your mind about mm. something you're trying to solve. I know for for me, this is often related to my research where there'll be like kind of a naughty little, naughty like K-N-O-T-T-Y. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't, that word doesn't come out it's right. It's a great word to read, but not to say. Yeah, so I'll say gnarly, a little a gnarly oh. little research problem. Are you, are you a surfer? Oh my gosh. Okay, a Dude. challenging problem is my research. Um, and if there's something I kind of want to solve, but I know it will take some time to really let that incubate. Um, something we've talked about in previous episodes, it was episode number 35, an idea to sleep mm. on, is have a have a list of things that you, you want to incubate or think over and allowing your brain to have time to think about these things in the background. I know we've talked yeah. about these kind of like open loop effects and the Zagartnik, am I saying it right? Yeah. Yeah, Zagartnik effect. Um, that will allow your brain the opportunity to to tackle those unresolved things in your mind. So being a little more intentional will allow you to kind of resolve those things. And especially if you have a list of those those outstanding items somewhere in your world, uh, that I find that very helpful. That was another fascinating thing that came up in looking at the research on this topic is it's not just one kind of mind wandering. You, you can kind of I wouldn't say trifurcate. I I don't know if trifurcate is a word in the same spirit as bifurcate, but there's kind of three branches of scatter focus that you can go in. Is it a word? It's a word. You're not. Oh, wow. I just reason says it's a word. I just logically arrived at a word. (laughs) Wow. What does it feel to be in the presence of greatness? Because you added a prefix to something? Mm -hmm. I mean, it feels like grammar school. Welcome to Grammar School 101 with uh, Chris Bailey and Arden. No, but essentially, you, you can trifurcate the idea of scatter focus into three different directions. Uh, like you were saying, it's helpful, depending on what you want to accomplish, to distinguish between three different types. Uh, the first is that problem crunching mode, like you were saying. So let's use the nature walk as an example because I can hear a few birds chirping outside. It's kind of 
getting me a, get, giving me a hankering to go for a walk, you could say. Uh, problem crunching, crunching mode is when you keep a problem in the back of your mind while you do something habitual. Uh, in this case, going for the walk. Uh, but there's other types of this mode too. Capture mode for example, is when you let your mind roam freely. You can just lay down on the couch with a notepad and capture what comes up. Uh, you will capture things. You will fill that notepad within 10 to 15 minutes of ideas, of things you've dropped the ball on, on people you need to follow up on, uh, on ideas that, that you arrive at that you would never arrive at otherwise because you connect the past to the present to the future. Uh, there's also this habitual scatter focus mode where you do something that is a habit and research shows that when we do something that is habitual this leads us to the greatest number of insights and so if your intention is creativity doing something habitual like going on a walk through nature maybe listening to some classical music so it doesn't sop up the rest of your attention is helpful if you're solving a problem, that problem crunching mode might be the most helpful and that capture mode if you're just looking to capture what's on your mind Puzzles are another awesome way yes. to do this. This is something we've started doing during quarantine. And yeah. it's been uh, really fun. It's also a nice break to mm-hmm. get away from a screen in the middle of the day if you want like a five, 10 minute break because you can just add a few pieces and feel, oh, that was a nice little break. You're not looking at a screen. It's really relaxing. Then you can add it to your accomplishments list. Sure. Yeah, yeah we finished two. Did you add the two puzzles we finished? No, I, I did not, <laughs> but maybe I should. <laughs> oh man, we, we were... we. So what, the first puzzle we got was very, very discouraging uh, because we finished the puzzle and it was a thousand piece puzzle and only to find at the very end of doing it, there were 999 pieces in this puzzle. But you were sweeping up under the oven the other day and what did you find after we donated this puzzle but that last remaining piece? Don't give up hope if you're down a piece is the lesson of this story. It might be under your oven, if you, especially if you have a robot vacuum cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But a lovely, lovely way to get some scatter focus. All right. Number three. Number three, the weekly review. We talked about this on episode number 52, didn't we? Yes, we did. Uh, it basically, it really is a pretty simple idea, but I think it's really important to kind of view your whole week so that you can have a very high level idea of what yeah. you're going into before the week begins. And things start to fall apart. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Optimism over here. I I mean, obviously plans change. And I think having (laughs) a moment to step back before other commitments come up and other people come up, I think it's important to really kind of orient yourself and what your goals are for that week, what you're trying to accomplish, and just remembering what those things are at the beginning of the week, I find is so grounding. And I think it's very helpful for kind of just kind of orienting yourself to be back on track more often. Yeah. Uh, If you don't do this, I think it's very easy for your time and your attention to kind of be pulled by whatever immediate thing is, is pressing. Um, And that can often not be related to what is most important, right? There's this kind of, I think people talk about it all the time where the most important and the most pressing or urgent Mm, are not often the same thing. The Eisenhower matrix. Yes, exactly. So basically this idea of the weekly review is that it, it basically helps you keep in mind what your most important tasks are. And a good way to do this is to really list out all of your most important tasks. Get into a habit of of listing what those are. And maybe even thinking about this rule of three, which we'll talk about in the next yeah, uh, item on, too. On the most important tasks point, that that is, it's not necessarily a habit. So it couldn't really fit 
within this top 10 list because we're talking about habits here. But the weekly review is a wonderful way of encapsulating a lot of the ideas that we've talked about so far. Uh, review the, your accomplishments list, number 10. Number nine, when can you do email and message sprints this coming week? Number eight, how can you work around your biological prime time? Will you keep a distractions list? Number seven, is there anything you're going to find aversive that maybe you want to treat yourself or, or find ways of revo- rewarding yourself ahead of time so you can lo- get excited for that? Can you re- review your waiting for list? Do you need more scatter focus if you need more creativity this week? But this idea of knowing what your most important tasks are is critical. And again, it didn't fit within this list, but here's the activity. You can get a cup of coffee. You can get a glass of wine. You don't have to do any of that if you don't want. But just get a notepad out and get a pen as well and list out every single activity that you do in your work over the course of a month. And that's freeing in and of itself, by the way. It's it's lovely to see all of that in front of you. And you might even think, wow, I do so much. I am so great. And I'm also stressed as hell and I need to eliminate some of this. But this is lovely for identifying what your most important tasks are. So once you get all those onto the page in front of you, ask yourself, if I can only do one thing on this list day in, day out, every single live long day, which one of these allows me to accomplish the most? Which one of these is also the one that allows me to deliver the most value through my work, to my team, to my organization, to the world, if, if that's the kind of work that you do? That's your most critical task. That's what you have to defend at all costs. But you get another one. Don't worry. You can pick a second most important activity and a third one as well. But what you'll find after about three activities is that your marginal productivity after that point will fall off of a cliff. And everything that is left on that list probably supports your work. It might get in the way of your work. It might be uh, things that you can delegate that you never really step back to think about how you could. Uh, So my three most important tasks, number one, research, because that's how I encounter new ideas. Number two, write, because that's how I communicate uh, these ideas through books and articles. And number three, speak about them. And everything else the email, the social media, the everything else kind of is support for those three integral things of communication, of research, of speaking. And so knowing that and using that to inform the plans that you set, which is next on our list, uh, is critical. Exactly. It's basically just having this list is kind of a a guiding star, I guess, when you're like mm. putting together your weekly or your daily plans. I think as I'm going to throw in a little bonus, oh. ch- uh, a bonus habit right here. Um, but I think another important part about when you're putting together your weekly plan is not only understanding what your most important tasks are, but also understanding how much time things take. I think that's something that takes a lot mm. of time to really learn and to really understand about yourself. Like how long is is are all of these tasks going to take me in a week? Being able to accurately allocate time in your week is, is, a, is a hard thing to get good at. Yeah. Um, and I think- tra- I'm still not good at it. And you're a productivity guy. So exactly, it can be really hard to know 
accurately how long different things take you. And I think part of, so the habit here that I'm going to pitch as a bonus, this isn't oh. one of our 10, um, but is is really tracking your time, getting into the habit of, of tracking your time, regularly recording how you do spend your time and how much time things take you. These all provide data points on basically how long different kinds of tasks or different kinds of activities take you. I know I used to pretty much across the board underestimate how much time research took me. Um, and mm. this was something that I've uh, have to come to terms with that it just takes me a lot longer to do research or, and to do especially like interpreting results and 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 build, building up a lit review. Those things take me a lot longer than I think they I used to think they did. So um, having my time tracked, which is something I've been doing for years, having that evidence in front of me has been really helpful as I put together weekly plans to make sure they're realistic. I think is is important. Number eight, episode number eight of the podcast, Tracking Your Time, we had Laura Vanderkam, who is one of, she's probably the world's foremost time tracking expert. If if there is such a, a thing, it would be her. And and so do revisit that interview. Uh, wonderful conversation with her on why we should be tracking our time and how to do so. But that leads us to number two, which is the daily plan, coupled with my personal all-time favorite productivity ritual, uh, the rule of three. Now, there is something fascinating with the way in which our brain is wired, where we're wired to think in threes. And this is because of a, I think it's because of a limit of our working memory capacity, which is how many things we can keep in our mind at one time. We used to think we can hold seven or eight pieces of information at one time, but then we realized that we kind of needed to ask for phone numbers again if we weren't rehearsing the numbers in our head at the same time. So the the latest research shows that we can hold three chunks of information in our mind at one time. And you can look no further than to the culture that surrounds us to see how we group things together into threes. Uh, We have sayings like celebrities die in threes. Unfortunately, celebrities die all the time. We just group those happenings into threes. We have sayings like the third time's the charm, the good, the bad, the ugly, blood, sweat, and tears, the three little bears, the three blind mice, the three little pigs, the three musketeers, even all of those stories we group into three parts, the beginning, the middle, and the end. If we have a dispute that we get into, we play rock, paper, scissors. There isn't some fourth option that we have. And so ideally, the ways in which we plan out our days, our weeks should fit with the way that we think. And this is why I love the rule of three so much. And the rule of three goes like this. At the start of the day, fast forward to the end of the day in your head and ask yourself, by the time that this day is done, what three main things will I want to have accomplished, right? By the time this day is done, what three main things will I want to have accomplished? And if you love the rule as much as I do, if you find that it fits with the way that you think, you might want to do the same every week as well. And it's lovely, it fits with the way that we think, and in choosing only three things, we have to choose all the things that we don't do and accommodate all the things that you're talking about, how long the different elements of our work take, um, and what's important in the first place. Yeah, I love this. So the rule of three, I think, and then taking that to the next step is really, how do you turn this into a habit? I think Mm -hmm. the rule of three is a really powerful idea for all the reasons you just talked about. But actually turning that into a habit, I think the way I bring this into a habit is really the the daily plan, this idea of, I mean, and this kind of is a subset of the weekly review, which I usually do on Sundays before the week gets started. 
but the turning your daily plan into a habit, I think, is is something you can do either at the beginning of the day or at the end of the previous day. I think for me, this is part mm. of my bedtime routine, actually, where I kind of list out the things I want to accomplish in the next day, yeah. keeping in mind like the idea of the, these three tasks that I'm going to prioritize that are related to the most important tasks that we've talked about in the previous uh, previous item on this list, um, and then the real three. So these these things are all things I keep in mind when I put together my daily plan as part of my bedtime routine. And you might think it sounds kind of complicated. Like, ah, when I'm doing my three daily intentions, like, I have to keep so much in mind. I have to keep in mind what's important. I have to keep in mind what my weekly goals are. I have to keep in mind what's important. You get better at it as you go on. I think the key is to get started. And, you know, like you were saying, for figuring out how long things take, you'll also take a little while to settle into an understanding of how much you're able to accomplish every single day. In addition to just how much time stuff takes. Uh, I remember at the start of doing this rule, I would set an intention to say, write 500 words in a day, and I'd end up writing a thousand. And the next day I'd think, oh, yesterday went so well, I'm going to set an intention to write 2,000 words today, and then I'd write a 1,000 once more. And eventually, me, probably longer than most people, it it took me a little while to understand that a 1,000 words is about my capacity for writing every day. Uh, Sub in writing for what you do every single day. Uh, Sub it in for sales calls. Sub it in for uh, check-ins with your team, whatever, whatever you have going on in your world. Give yourself some time, be patient, because it will take a bit of time. Yeah, and like all of these things, take what works for you, don't take what doesn't. Yeah. Um, I think you do your daily plan in the morning, I do mine in the evening, because I like in the morning to have like as little friction as possible. I mean, the kettle's ready for me to go in the morning, and uh, my list is ready, so I don't have to think, I just get right into work. It sounds like you work from the moment... You wake up to the moment you go to bed, the no, way you describe it. I have the perfect morning routine where I get up, I make some, co- I make my tea, I meditate, and then I get into a focus made in it and do my most focused work when nobody's emailing me and nobody's awake. It's lovely. By nobody's awake, there's really only one other person in the house. I mean, I'm and not pointing fingers, <laughs> but it's really nice to be awake in the morning when the world is just quiet. No, it's so that's, peaceful. That's totally fair. Now, speaking of peaceful. Number one on the list. So there was a project that I put out called How to Train Your Mind. And it it was uh, something called an Audible original. There's a site called Audible, which is for audiobooks. And much like Netflix has Netflix originals, Audible has Audible originals. And uh, I put this book out there. And people really seemed to connect with this idea of training our mind. Um, They then realized after downloading this, I think, (laughs) that How to Train Your Mind is a book on meditation. Uh, There's a reason meditation is, or an audiobook, I should say, there's a reason meditation is number one on this list. We both love this. Uh, I personally think it's one of the best ways that we can hone our attention to focus on what's in front of us. And the productivity benefits of a meditation ritual I don't think it's understating it to describe them as completely profound. Uh, Meditation makes us more mindful, which basically means that we just check up on what's on our mind more often. And so because of this, we notice when our mind is wandering, which it does for about 48% of the day. We can bring it back to what's important in front of us. We notice 
when we're about to give in to impulse and maybe not shrink our aversion to a task like we're talking about with number six. We notice when we're about to get distracted and we can resist that accordingly. We can step back more often throughout the day. Our working memory capacity, the thing that is limited to three tasks, it grows, it expands by about 40%. We have more of a mental scratch pad with which to connect ideas and unearth ideas that we would never arrive at otherwise. Uh, In that project, I do a back of the napkin calculation. And I found that conservatively, up to about 30 minutes of meditation a day. For every minute we spend on meditation, we make nine minutes back in how much more productive we become. Uh, Distraction is a really good example of this. In the cases we're distracted completely, it can take us an average of 25.5 minutes to get back on track to working on what we were originally spending our time, our attention, and our energy on. That's a lot of time. And if you meditate for 20 minutes every day and you notice just one time that you're about to distract yourself, you've already made the time you've spent meditating back and then some. I think, and I'm sure you'll agree, uh, meditation when it comes to our productivity is in a league all of its own. Yeah, this feels kind of like a keystone habit. It's yeah. like the habit that allows all other habits to function optimally. Yeah. And if this yeah. habit, for me, at least for me, and I, I know for a lot of other people, meditation allows all of your other habits to kind of fall into place and you it makes it easier to cultivate and maintain other habits. Mm-hmm. So this just feels like kind of a... a key in the in the overall productivity maze, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I think we tend to look at the hacks that are very easy to do while neglecting the fact that the things that are the most difficult to implement uh, for our productivity may end up providing us with the greatest returns. And I think anything that allows us to slow down and bring more deliberateness and intentionality to our work and our life falls squarely into that category of things that are honestly a bit more difficult to do than a simple hack or a simple tactic. But they really do, you know, going back to what we were talking about last episode, the purpose of productivity advice is to make back time. And I think you'll find that out of all of the ideas that we've talked about, that that is the common thread that runs through all of them. It's intentionality, it's deliberateness. That extends from the accomplishments list, number 10, email, message sprints, the biological prime time. What a great way of working more deliberately. That is the distractions list for getting back on track and focusing in the moment. It extends to shrinking things. It extends to things that we're waiting on being able to free up the mental bandwidth that those take up. It takes up, it's about mind wandering so we can bring our mind back uh, to what's important the rest of the day because we have more energy. It goes to the weekly review. It's about the daily plan and meditation is very much, you know, even though it may not look like it on the surface, in the spirit of deliberateness and intentionality, it's very much in line with all the other strategies that we've talked about. Beautifully said. There we are. I wrapped it all up. Perfect. Good way to end it off. Yeah. So finishing up. Oh, we're over a little bit this episode, but I I hope you found this little countdown worthwhile. These are our 10 favorite productivity habits. So finishing up, becomingbettershow.com is where you can find all of the episodes of the podcast if you want to go back and scrub through them. 
figure out what you want. We, we've referenced a few episodes, this one and the previous episode. Go back and there's a little buffet of podcast episodes for you. Delicious, delicious content. If you want to leave a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded, you can leave that review. And please email me a screenshot of it afterwards, chris at a life of productivity.com. Uh, Arden and I will sign and then mail you a podcast postcard wherever you happen to be in the world. Uh, we will do that for you, dear listener. We hope you have a wonderful week and we'll see you in a couple Tuesdays. Bye.